You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love Pour Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is a special off-the-shelf show waiting for our guests to join us this uh, afternoon. Normally we do off-the-shelf on Saturdays at 11 a.m., but uh, today's guests wanted to uh, schedule uh, on a different date. So willing to do that and looking forward to her when she joins us this this afternoon. I keep saying this morning because I'm used to doing this on Saturday at 11 a.m., but thank you to our loyal listeners who've been with us. Again, I just can't thank you enough. 16 years, 16 years, and the way this got started, it's just so odd. I never thought I'd have a radio show, let alone doing it 16 years, but I thank you guys for all the podcasts you could be listening to for for joining us here and keeping in touch with us here at Off the Shelf. Before I uh, launch into today's show, I want to leave this thought with you, and this is a quote from an anonymous source. And it's push yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. Again, that's push yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. And, yes, you are listening to a winning book radio show off the shelf. And I'm learning this weekend is a weekend of being flexible. We know that through uh, what went on with the coronavirus, everything going on with that and the covid you never know from day to day, even without a virus, how things might change and the the different changes that you might have to make. I learned that yesterday on Off the Shelf, where I may have to reschedule like a guest and did a book reading, and I may end up doing a part of a book reading again today and learning that again today. This is a lesson Off the Shelf has taught me you have to be flexible. you got to be ready to always make alternative uh, arrangements, and just keep moving forward. Anybody who wants to work in entertainment or business, any field, you have to learn that. And, again, I'm going back to, like, the small business owners with COVID-19, and they're definitely learning that you, you, what they, the plans they laid out for themselves last year and then the virus hits and they have to completely uh, – Redo, change, you know, so all your marketing plans, advertising dollars are down, the places you were going to travel to, all that that has changed, but you can't stop. I know as a as a writer and, and a, a radio show host and um, other works that I do, there are people who, when a, a big change hits them, they almost don't know what to do. I guess they were all their 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 planning, their preparation was on things going a certain way. So they never had had uh, what happens if it doesn't go that way. What happens if you 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 do a TV show and the, your guests don't show up? What do you do then? And you're still on air, so you have to have a, a backup, something that you're going to do to keep it keep it moving. So with marketing, I shared this yesterday on Off the Shelf for for book writers. Um, there's a there's a uh, Lashonda Hoffman. She is really does a lot of marketing, and her one of her new releases hit the new, uh, Amazon bestsellers. And congratulations to her. But that's a question she would ask on her shows a lot: is 
what what are you do, what are you doing if the uh, the plans that you have don't fall through? What are you doing if the plans that you have don't fall through? And as as book writers, you know, we get our our book sales through those first direct face to face contacts, those book fe- those huge book festivals like book. Expo and the Miami Book Fest, uh, uh, Miami Book Festival and the London Book Fair and and uh, the the, the African American the National Book Conference down in Atlanta. Well, a lot of that is virtual now. The Harlem Book Festival is virtual, but you had a, you had the opportunity to in person connect with hundreds and thousands of of people who are avid book lovers. I mean, you don't have to sell them on reading books; they love to read books. So now it's going to virtual events, it's blogging, it's it's sending out press releases, it's social media, it's doing live uh, book readings on, like, Facebook Live, it's holding pri- private Twitter chats and connecting with book readers. You just always have to be ready to pivot and go in another direction if things don't pan out the way that you thought they would. And on this on this Sunday, how fitting uh, – I hadn't had definitely not planned to even talk about this, waiting for our guests to join us. And I'm telling you, when I first started off the shelf, it people are excited to interview on, on the show. But things come up. We had a guest who had a, got a flat tire, we've had a guest who who had a a a, a, sick, a health issue that flared up. So I never know. I always hold the guest in prayer. I had a guest actually do an off-the-shelf interview. She pulled over on the side of the road on the interstate when she had some car issues, and she did the interview. She today has a a, a very a regionally successful. Uh, it's either radio or television. She just keeps it moving. You you have to. You it's not that you come up with an excuse. You just have to keep keep going some type of way. So I did a. Um, I did a reading yesterday from Long Walk Up. Uh, we had a guest who actually later after the show asked me if um, he could reschedule because he had taken ill. So I said, sure, um, you can reschedule. Again, never never assume that somebody isn't doing something or that they forgot because I never know. I never know why a guest uh, didn't dial in. So I'll find out. Later about our guest today If she does join I'll, I'll bring her over live right away But what I'm going to do uh, in the interim I'm going to treat our listeners Who are uh, tuning in to a reading from uh, Spiral And I'm going to start with the beginning um, The beginning of the book Spiral So to start at part one And Spiral actually is a murder mystery And it's set in Memphis, Tennessee uh, During the 1940s Right around the time of World War II. So to begin, the summer of the summer of 1942, the summer of 19 oh excuse me, chapter one, part one, chapter one. The summer of 1934 was an unusual summer in Louisville, Kentucky. It was the summer children became scared to go outside and play. Although they never said a word, not even amongst each other, the children knew through the many warnings their parents gave them. Something more fierce, dreadful, and evil than ghosts, goblins, and imaginary monsters was outside, maybe at the park, just around the corner from their home, perhaps at the edge of the schoolyard. 
And I'm going to skip over a little bit and just start with part two. That just gives you a preface uh, to what goes on in this murder mystery spiral. But there's a family, a very prominent African-American family in Shelby County. And um, this is a story, if you love music, if you love history, if you love family, community, and and a good dose of a, a detective. There's a detective in the story. He's a key, a key integral part of the story. And if you love just like a thriller mystery, I really think you will enjoy Spiral. So um, chapter two, four years later, like a bad dream that would not end, evil snaked its way to Memphis, Tennessee, and Tammy Tilson, a fiercely strong-willed woman, moaned, God help me, as she made her way from her bedroom to the bathroom. Everything in front of her was blurry. She closed her eyes and breathed deeply. Oh, God, she whispered while she neared the bathroom. Who killed that little girl? It started yesterday evening with the news aired. Tammy had been in the kitchen cooking tube steak and mashed potatoes when she heard news flash. She turned away from the stove and turned the radio up. All of Memphis, a little girl is missing. The child was outside playing in front of her parents' home on Monroe Street when neighbors said they saw a colored man pick her up in a truck. Before the little girl's neighbors could race to her rescue, the man grabbed her and sped down the street. The little girl hasn't been seen since. That was last night. Now it was early morning, and men were still being ordered from their homes or right off the street to report to the police precinct. There, angry police officers lobbed a series of questions at them in loud, threatening voices. And I'm going to skip a little bit further. Um... Tammy glanced at the clock on the wall. It was 6 o'clock in the morning, and her husband had only been home for two hours. She went into the bathroom, closed the door, and sat on the toilet with her head between her knees. Life had never been easy for her. She'd grown up the daughter of a woman who took ill with bad pressure when she was only seven years old. Tammy couldn't remember a time when her mother played with her or spent longer than two hours out of bed. Oldest of her 11 siblings, from the age of seven, Tammy grew up taking charge and working as hard around the house and on her family's farm as a grown man. Even now, she couldn't remember a time when she wasn't working. Not until she was grown and married did the hard work bring a reward. She and her husband were the first colors in Memphis to open their own business at the center of town, a place usually reserved for companies owned by wealthy entrepreneurs and adult children of former politicians who hadn't outgrown riding their father's coattails. They were the first people in town to go door-to-door asking for signatures to sign a petition to have mysterious house fires on the poor side of town fully investigated. They stood up to the mayor when he told them, y'all ought to be grateful, folks, support y'all and allow y'all to thrive in these parts. Truth be told, in a lesser town, y'all would have long been dead, shot or something other. After she sat on the toilet with her head between her knees for a few minutes, Tammy looked up. She watched a caterpillar inch down the window and thought about her husband. He was good to her and their four children. She knew she was the only person he trusted. All his life he made do and kept his deepest thoughts to himself. He was like a locked door that would only open for her. If not for her, he wouldn't have told us. So he was the one who came upon his mother hanging from the barn loft. He was only six years old. All he knew to do was scream and run. Mothers didn't kill themselves. He told himself why he ran to tell his father to hurry and get his mother down from the top of the barn. His mother wasn't dead. She wasn't just swinging in the air. She was just swinging in the air. It was all so easy to believe until his father raced back to the barn with him. The tortured look on his father's face and the hard groans moving up out of his mouth made him step back and hide behind his father's thick legs. After he told Tammy the story, when they were first married, he never said the words, my mother, again. 
To Tammy, it was as if her husband had no mother. It was as if he was born straight out of his father's rib. Seconds later, when Tammy heard her daughters talking in their bedroom, she stopped recalling the past, stood from the toilet and washed her face. She kept keep moving. She stand with her shoulders tall and walk like she didn't fear anything. For her children, she would. It's going to be all right, she repeated to herself until she entered her bedroom and saw her husband, Philip, wrestling in his sleep. Her husband had never been in trouble with the law. The cops had no right to embarrass him in front of their customers, handcuff him, and force him to go with them to the precinct, a place where justice was never allowed for the poor or the colored. While Tammy watched Philip try to sleep, she thought back to their first grocery store. If not for the store, her husband and she would just be farmers who'd never break even despite how many hours a day they worked. She almost smiled. She was the one who talked Philip into purchasing the large grocery store they bought 17 years ago. She didn't even argue when he demanded that the store be named after his kin. Two weeks later, the store was torched and burned to the ground. Tammy ran after the hooded men in the trucks and two police cars as they laughed and cursed their way back down the street, away from the burning store. You bastards! Get, God will get you for this! God will get you for this! She shouted while she threw heavy rocks at the trucks and cars. She didn't stop throwing rocks until she heard one of the car windows shatter. We'll get another store, Philip told her that night while they sit while he sat next to her on the front porch, cradling a shotgun in his lap. Do you know how much money we're out? Insurance company ain't going to give us no money for the store. They'll say it was our fault the store burned to the ground. I know, I know, he reached out and tapped her hand. We'll build a new store, and if these ignorant asses burn this one down, they're, they're going to get a load of what's in this here shotgun. With the help of men in the community, they did build another store, nearly twice the size of the first one. The grand opening of Tilson's Grocery Store in Greasy Plank, a small town in Memphis, Tennessee's Shelby County, was the first story on the cover of Memphis Prize, the city's only color newspaper at the turn of the century. Let me check and see if the guest has checked in. And no guest. So I'm just going to keep reading. Most houses in Greasy Plank were small wood structures. Most women in the town still pushed their laundry up and down splintered wood boards before they dipped the laundry in a tin pail of soap and water and hung the clothes on the line in the backyard. Roads were narrow and seemed to stretch for miles, with there not being many businesses or shops nearby. Greasy Plank was country, a place where grass, dirt, and weeds ruled over brick, mortar, and concrete. The closest highway to Greasy Plank was 20 miles from the town. Strangers didn't stay in the town long. Old-timers ran them out with hard stares and bitter gossip. It was a town that consisted of the memberships of four churches, New Mount Holly, the church that Tilson's attended, being largest of the four. Everyone in Greasy Plank went to church. Children from the town grew up and married former classmates. Adults stayed in the town until they died. The biggest business in town was Tilson's Grocery Store. More customers shopped at Tilson's then made deposits and withdrawals at the bank, visited theater, went shoe shopping on Bill Street. Every night with a load of shotgun nearby, Philip and Tammy cleaned out the grocery store cash registers and counted money customers exchanged for clothing, meat, and produce. Tammy placed the money inside a tin box beneath their bed. Money she climbed inside the family truck and drove through the business districts paying invoices. Other revenue remained locked in the tin box until she had time to get uptown to Bill Street to change savings and trust company and deposit the money in Philip and her account. Winter Tammy didn't get 
go to the bank. Instead, Philip and she gave money to the poor. Within the last month, twice after the police chief refused to investigate a series of house fires, they lent two neighborhood families money to rebuild homes. Night riders had burned to ash. They also donated a large sum of money to a home for retarded children. Every donation they made was in the memory of a little girl named Bobby Long. Keep this quiet, Tammy asked when she dropped the checks off. That's a very important piece to this murder mystery. Tammy turned and watched Philip run his hand across his face. He, she reached out and stroked his back until she felt his muscles relax. Mama warned me, she whispered while she rubbed her husband's back. Mama warned me a day like this would come. She sighed. The first seer in the family. That's what her mama was. She saw things happen long before they ever did. She went around trying to warn people. That's what's so hard about being a seer, she told Tammy when Tammy was a little girl. When don't nobody else see what you be seeing, folks go around calling you crazy. Seers get their root off family trees, Tammy. Trace the root, child. Trace the root. All those years ago as a small girl, Tammy shook while she watched her mother's eyes roll in her head. Then she watched her mother press her head into her pillow, bed pillow, cough, and wipe spots of blood away from the edges of her mouth. Be careful who you let be on our family tree, Tammy. I done told you. I done told you. If you get, if you don't, girl, you's gonna help birth a thing called crazy. Yes, yes. Then her mother closed her eyes and died. Shaking thoughts of her mother further into her memory, Tammy said erect and reminded herself how much work had to be done. A man was coming by the store at 1 o'clock. He telephoned from Louisville, Kentucky yesterday morning. He told Philip he peddled written works for a living, particularly essays authored by Carter G. Woodson and Frederick Douglass, and thought Tammy and he could sell the books and pamphlets. Tammy argued and shouted with Philip for a whole ten minutes when he told her about the man. You don't even know who that man is, she said. We can't afford to go around trusting people, especially people we don't know. Philip, how many business people were calling us before we made a success of the store? Wasn't nobody coming around here before since we opened the store? All kinds of people knocking on our door. People want to take a free ride on our name. That ain't happening. Nobody wants to see us win, Philip. Nobody. Every single prominent man right here in town wants to see us fall. No, she had a shake in her head. We don't need no outsiders coming around to stir the pot. When Philip responded to her with silence, she lowered her voice. I just want us to have what we built together stay between the two of us. We did this together, honey. It's ours, our children's and our grandchildren's. Right on down the line, when he smiled at her, she reached out and took his hand inside hers. Mama, Tammy rubbed her husband's back one last time. Then she pushed off the bed and walked into the hallway and looked inside her son's bedroom. What, son? She looked at the closed curtains and sniffed the strong odor of musk coming out of the bedroom. Please open those curtains and windows. David pushed the curtains apart. She said to Kimball, I'm waiting, and I'm going to stop there uh, with Spiral. Some people actually told me when they when Spiral first came out that they found it like scary it's not intent, it's not a it's not a, a a horror story by any stretch it is a thriller i will tell you it is a thriller and it's um there's a there's a detective in there i just read one of the big clues to the story and um it, it, it again it surrounds around world war 2 uh i don't want to get the story away but i encourage you to get a copy of, of spiral especially if you like detective stories 
and if you like mysteries or thrillers, I think you will really enjoy reading Spiral. Well, I I I lift up in prayer our guests and just hope the best for our guests. Uh, and uh, we're going to go ahead and close out today's show. If you enjoyed the reading of Spiral, please share with others, and I encourage you to get a copy of Spiral, S-P-I-R-A-L, by Denise Turney. It's at Amazon and Walmart and Barnes & Noble, ebook it, and at my website, Chistel, C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. And I also want to leave this with you as well. This is a a marketing plug for another company. So writers, are you looking for editors? Check out BreakingRulesPublishing.com, and that's B-R-E-A-K-I-N-G-R-U-L-E-S-P-U-B-L-I-S-H-I-N-G.com. So spelled just the way it sounds, writers. If you are looking for editors, check out BreakingRulesPublishing.com. And as I always tell you, you are amazing. You are incredible. You are phenomenal. See you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for joining us here at Off the Shelf, and please share this episode with other book lovers. Thank you. Bye for now.